Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537 is the voicemail number. Uh, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com is the email address. And you can hit us up on Twitter at Ratchet Book Club. Uh, you can leave a review on Podchaser, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, or wherever else you can. Some places still don't let you do that. And I apologize for that, but I don't make the rules. Um... You can become a patron member at patreon.com slash single simulcast. You can buy me a coffee, which will actually buy me books at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Doing either one of those will uh, get you access to our exclusive content uh, for not this show, not just this show, but for all of my shows. You know, for a book called Tale of the Murder Mamas, I, I just want to check real quick. The last four chapters have been about the cartel, which I don't mind. The next one's about the cartel. You know, I probably should play the theme music. But you would think that the story would be more about me and more. And at some point, it, it will be. I'm hoping Robin and Aries and more about Anise, Anissa. Um... I know that none of them are there telling the story, but at the same time, she should know enough about their stories that she could tell us more about what's going on with them than what we're finding. So I'm hoping that happens soon. But, <sighs> chapter nine. Breeze watched as she watched Mati pull up his pants and look down at her. There was no remorse on his face. Now, I'm going to say this again. I'm going to love it when he dies, but... I would have loved it when he died regardless. If he hadn't taken this young girl's innocence, if he hadn't taken this woman's innocence and all that other stuff, if they hadn't written them this way, so then you would make him a villain. I think there's other ways to do it. There was no remorse on his face. The fact that he was killing her slowly from the inside meant nothing to him. The sweat from his brow dripped down his dark face, causing Breeze's stomach to turn in disgust. The sick smile that he wore terrified her. He was so sure of himself, so proud of the sexual acts he had forced upon her. Mattia had even gone as far as to ejaculate inside a young breeze in a twisted attempt to impregnate her. He knew that a child would join them together forever, and that was his ultimate goal. Without saying a word, he walked away and up the stairs. Breeze heard the sounds of Mati locking the dead bolts of trapped in the basement. So just like that, like I said earlier, we already know 
from that, it just solidifies that there's a really good chance that their thing at the end of this is going to be she's pregnant with Matisse, baby. This shit is... Bree sat up and began to cry. She felt so violated and dirty. Mattia degraded her on so many occasions, and she was forced to give her virginity to a man that she hated. The same man that was responsible for her father's death. She got on her knees and began to pray to God, hoping that her father also heard her prayers. She was at a point where she didn't want to live anymore. Her regard for life was slowly fading. The longer she stared at the four walls of her imprisonment, the more her mind abandoned her. Breeze knew that if she didn't find a way out, then she would go insane. She finished her prayer and got up to walk to the bathroom that was connected to the basement. She stood over the sink and looked at her reflection in the mirror. Her eyes were bloodshot and swollen from her endless crying, and as she stared at the woman in the mirror, she couldn't even recognize herself. She was not the same girl. The young woman staring back at her was not Breeze Diamond. At that point, she realized that she had not looked at herself in almost a year. Every time she used the bathroom, she would just avoid eye contact with the mirror almost as if she were ashamed. Matias stripped her of her innocence a long time ago, and she was not who she once was. The naivety of a young little rich girl had disappeared. She now knew pain. She now knew what war really was. She now knew loneliness. So this is your way of toughening her up, I guess? It's your way of exposing her to the real world, I guess? Like... This doesn't have to be the real world. You're writing a fiction. You're creating this world. This doesn't have to be the way that she learns about how the world is. She could have learned the way that the world is when she lost her brother, her dad, and her mom in the span of a year. That could have grown her up. That could have forced her to get into the family business or take steps to secure some sort of a future for herself outside of what her father had been doing something not her getting raped and possibly impregnated as a 19 year old girl not her getting raped and impregnated at any point in her entire motherfucking life you wrote this you thought this is the way to go you chose this path there's literally nobody else that you can blame for this you chose this path for her on your own Diamonds are forever, she whispered as she wiped away her tears and repeated a motto that her father would always say to her as a young girl. She knew that she had the blood of a king, and at that moment, refused to let Mati hurt her anymore. She glanced over at the corner of the room and saw something that could possibly help her escape Mati's grasp. She took a deep breath and walked towards it. She had just gotten an idea. Sweat dripped off each of the men as they tried to keep up with little Ziggy as he walked up the rocky trail. The trail wrapped around the tall mountain, and the sun was just setting. Come on, guys. We have to beat the sun, Ziggy emphasized as he led the way while holding a big stick in his hand. Carter took off his shirt as the sweat cascaded down his body. They had been climbing the mountain for nearly two hours, and the air was getting thinner as they got higher up in altitude. You sure this the way, little man? Zaire asked as his legs grew tired. Yeah, I'm sure. Me and me friends used to come and play in this jungle every day. 
We snooped around here last summer when Mati was away in Miami. We're almost there, Ziggy said, showing no sign of being winded. On the other hand, the rest of them were exhausted, but their love for Breeze kept them going. Zaire couldn't wait to hold Breeze in his arms and tell her that he loved her. He was going to be her knight in shining armor and savor. That thought alone made him put some pep in his step as he sped up, trying to reach their destination. Just like that, I'm now scared the Breeze is going to die. Mecca's mind was on shooting Mati right in between the eyes. Breeze was his only full-blooded sibling that was still alive, and he would die if that was the cost of getting her back. Nigga, you killed your other full-blooded sibling. Here I come, Breeze, he thought as he climbed the trail. Carter swatted the unfamiliar flying insects away from his face as he looked up and saw the abundance of tropical trees. Here's the jungle, Ziggy said as he stopped and pointed to the woods. Matisse's house is straight ahead. Just stay north. Carter stopped and caught his breath, along with Zaire and Mecca. He then looked at Ziggy and rubbed the top of his head. Thanks, Ziggy. You're a real little nigga, he said as he smiled. Carter reached around his wrist and pulled off his designer watch and handed it to Ziggy. That's yours, he said as he watched Ziggy admire it like it was a masterpiece. Now, you have to take off, he told him, and stepped to the side so that Ziggy could climb back down the mountain. Thanks, Carter, Ziggy said, mispronouncing his name because of his accent. Then Ziggy smiled and ran up and hugged him. But remember, you have to follow the dirt path that you will get lost. The jungle is a big circle, man, he reminded him as he headed back down. So you're telling me that if you follow the dirt path, you'll make your way out? For real? Did she not see the dirt path at any point? Like, y'all were talking like this, the big ass maze or something. It's really just a road that leads to his fucking house. <sighs> Carter watched Ziggy disappear down the trail, then focused back on Mecca and Zaire. Let's go get Breeze, he said, and they ran through the jungle, following the trail. After 15 goddamn minutes, that's all it took. After 15 minutes of running full speed down the trail through the jungle, this nigga told Breeze nobody else knows their way around here but me. A bunch of nine-year-olds went up there and conquered that shit like it was fucking Mario Brothers 1, and they got to his house in 15 minutes. Two hours and 15 minutes if you count climbing a goddamn mountain. Why didn't they just get in the helicopter? Had the helicopter drop him off? It probably would have made noise. Okay, my bad. After 15 minutes of running full speed down the trail through the jungle, they saw the house. They all stopped in their tracks when they saw the gigantic house that was before them. They expected Matisse's house to be guarded and surrounded by gates. But to their surprise, it was wide open and unguarded. Zaire dropped the bag on the ground that he was carrying which was full of the automatic guns and bullets. He opened the bag, giving a variety of choices to Carter and Mecca. Mecca opted for the 12-gauge, and Carter got the AK-47 assault rifle, also known as a chopper because of its ability to spit bullet after bullet, chopping up whatever's in its path. Really? That's the gun we defining? Not the Desert Eagle .50? That Mecca has carried a complete and total arsenal Throughout these two books. And this is the one we're defining. 
Did somebody ask you what an AK-47, why is an AK-47 called a chopper? And you just decided to, did you have speak the text on when you explained that to them? Like, why did this just happen? They all strapped up and headed to the house. They were about to go in with guns blazing. Bree smiled as she thought about escaping Matisse's wrath. It would soon be over, and she would soon be a free woman. She looked down from the chair she was standing on and wrapped the belt around her neck. Mattia left his leather belt down there after he had had sex with her. Little did he know that he had provided Breeze an exit by doing so. So she ain't gonna fight. She ain't gonna do nothing to get out of here. You literally make it seem like she found a way to fight back. Like she was gonna break off a piece of a mirror and stab him or something. And the thing that you come up with for her to do is commit suicide. So now she's got to be in the hands of men again as they rush through Matia and race to save her life right before she dies or something. Breeze tugged on the belt to make sure that it was wrapped around the pipes above her head securely. Tears began to fall down her face as she shook nervously. The only thing she would have to do was kick the chair off from under her feet and the nightmare would finally end. So y'all just made her... State a quote from her dad, Diamond to Forever, that let her know she had the blood of a king inside of her and that Mati wouldn't hurt her anymore. And you make it sound like she's about to launch a, a, a counterattack or something, and instead you're making her commit suicide. So she could be another damsel in distress. Okay. Carter put three fingers up, signaling the countdown. Mecca stood at the front door with a 12-gauge shotgun, aiming at the lock. Zaire held two pistols in his hands, ready to rush in right after Mecca blew the door open. Three, two, one, Carter whispered. Boom! Mecca blew through the lock and they all rushed in. Mati heard the blast while he was in the shower watching the smell of sex off his body. He quickly turned off the shower and ran into his room that was attached to the bathroom. He reached for the Tech 9 automatic handgun that he kept under his pillow. He looked at the monitors that were on his wall and gasped. He had his entire house under surveillance and saw three men running through the downstairs of his home with guns. What the blood clot? He yelled as he held his gun in his hand while dripping wet and still completely naked. He looked at the security monitor that was watching the basement where he kept Breeze. Matisse's heart skipped a beat and he gasped at what he was witnessing. He gripped the sides of the monitor in anguish at the sight of Breeze's the sight of Breeze's feet swinging from the ceiling. He was witnessing her committing suicide. No! He yelled as he rushed downstairs to save her. He didn't care that he was going up against three guns. He just wanted to save his love before she died. Breeze! He yelled as he ran down the stairs, gun in hand. Here we go again. Mecca was the first to spot Mati and reacted without thought or hesitation. He cocked the shotgun back and let off a round, just barely missing Mati. Mati returned fire, spraying anything he saw moving as he made his way down the stairs. How the fuck can't y'all hit a nigga running down the stairs? He's butt-ass naked. How can't you hit him with a shotgun? Like, he isn't, he isn't Usain Bolt. And he's not faster than a speeding bullet. How'd you miss? How'd y'all both miss? 
Zaire also opened fire as he came from the opposite corner of the room. He hit Matia in the arm, sending him flying down the stairs violently. Carter was towards the back of the house and came running when he heard the gunshots. Matisse dropped his gun as he tumbled down the stairs, leaving a bloody trail behind him. He landed at the bottom of the stairs awkwardly. <laughs> he grunted as he tried to sit up and gather his bearings. When he looked up, Mecca was standing over him with a shotgun to his face. Where's Breeze? Okay, another typo. It says, Mecca screamed as he dug the barrel into on one of Matisse's eyes. So let me read this right for myself. Where's Breeze? Mecca screamed as he dug the barrel into one of Matisse's eyes. Before Matisse could say anything, Mecca kicked him forcefully in his temple out of anger. His emotions got the best of him, and he couldn't contain himself. Matisse was a man who had caused his family grief like no other, and his rage emerged like a bolt of lightning, striking hard and swift. Where is he? He yelled as he looked at Matisse, who seemed to be losing consciousness. Now... I know that I spent a lot of time talking about how they didn't flush out any of the women, but they also didn't flush out anybody really past Carter in this book. Because Mecca is just a walking ball of anger and guns. And every time he gets around somebody, his anger spikes all over again. He's literally like Mr. Furious from the fucking Mystery Men and shit. Mati was dizzy because of the blows Mecca had just given him. He could barely speak. Breeze, he whispered as he thought about her hanging in the basement. Fuck that. Breeze, he yelled as he ran up the stairs, skipping two at a time in a desperate race to find his girl. Carter headed to the back of the gigantic house, screaming her name also. Breeze, Zaire yelled as he invaded every room of the house. His heart pounded furiously in his chest, and his instincts told him that something was wrong. If she's here, why isn't she answering, he thought. She's not up here. I can't find her, he screamed as he descended the steps in worry. Mecca saw the look in Zaire's eyes and knew that something was wrong. Where is she? Mecca shouted as he looked down at Mati, gripping him by his dreadlocks. In the basement, Mati mumbled as blood dripped from his head. She's in the basement, Mecca yelled just before he sent the shotgun blast through Mati's chest, killing him on contact. What if he was lying? What if he had been lying? Now, we know that he wasn't lying, but Mecca doesn't. What if he was lying? And then you would have never found her. Because as it is, she's hanging herself. Time is of the essence. If you went to the third floor instead of the basement because he had said, or if you went to the basement instead of the third floor and, he, and she was on the third floor, then she would have died. She's probably going to die anyway. Fucking hate this book. She's in the basement, Mecca yelled just before he sent a shotgun blast through Matisse's chest, killing him on contact. I really don't hate this book. It's just that this book so far, in the few short chapters it has had, has had more horrifying things happen to women than a little bit. Carter rushed to the front, and Mecca told him that she was in the basement. They all rushed to the back of the house and tried to open the basement door but it was secured with five deadbolts. Stand back, Carter said as he pointed his gun at the lock. He let off five rounds, breaking each lock with each bullet he fired. I love you, Papa. I love you, Mama. I love you, Mecca. I love you, Monroe. I love you, Uncle Polo. I love you, Carter. 
Breeze whispered, giving each of her loved ones a personal and final goodbye. She put her hand over her heart and wished Zaire would have come and saved her. She wished that when she called, she could have gotten the chance to let him know exactly where she was, but she didn't, and now she was about to make her grand exit from her hell on earth. I love you, Zaire, she added just before she prepared to take her own life. She heard gunshots coming from upstairs, but she was so focused on what she was about to do that she paid them no mind. Breeze kicked the chair from underneath her, and her body immediately dropped and dangled from the pipes. She began to squirm and hold her neck. The kiss of death gripped at her body. The pain was so great that she almost regretted her decision, but she would rather face a few moments of it than a lifetime of grief in the shackles of Mati. The pressure building in her head was so great that she began to see stars. Each second was agonizingly slow as her lungs begged her to inhale. The strength of human will caused her to grab at the belt to avoid the suffocation. Her nails broke from grabbing at the leather, and she kicked wildly as the pulse in her head became audible in her own ears. She could hear her heartbeat fading, and just as she was on the brink of unconsciousness, she heard Zaire calling her name. Breeze! I'm coming! Zaire's voice came from upstairs. Zaire! That's Zaire! She thought as she continued to struggle for air. She heard someone trying to get to the basement, but the locks were stopping them. Breeze! Zaire yelled again as he tried to kick the door down. She jerked and contorted her body, trying to release herself, but it didn't work. Frantic and out of air, she grabbed the belt around her neck, scratching her skin as she attempted to create some slack in the belt. Her world became gray, and her eyes felt like they were pop out of her skull as she put the last string she had in a freeing herself. Her efforts were in vain. She was too late. She was already in the Grim Reaper's hands and there was nothing she could do. She tried to yell for Zaire, but her airway was cut off. She could only let out small grunts. Her grunts were too low for anyone to hear, and she felt herself slipping away. She couldn't take it anymore and finally stopped struggling as life left her body. Zaire pushed the door open and was the first to head down the stairs. I'm not even going to stop and comment on that shit. He held the gun in front of him as he crept down the stairs, not knowing who was down there. Carter and Mecca followed closely behind him. Zaire got to the bottom step and his heart broke in two at the sight before him. Breeze was swinging from a ceiling pipe, swinging slowly from left to right. He quickly dropped his gun and ran over to her lifeless body. Breeze! No! He yelled as he held her up by her legs trying to stop her from choking, but it was far too late. She was already gone. Carter saw Zaire holding Breeze and quickly ran over and picked up the chair so he could stand on an untire. His hand shook as he looked at Breeze's limp body. Mecca was still by the stairs, frozen in heartache. He dropped to his knees and silently cried as he watched his sister's body drop into Zaire's arms. Zaire had never mourned anything or anyone in his life, but as he sat with Breeze in his arms, he rubbed her face as tears flowed down his cheeks. He kissed the top of her head over and over again as he rocked her back and forth while whispering her name again and again. It wasn't supposed to go down like this, he whispered into her ear. Not like this, he repeated as he wept over her. He looked down at the only girl who had ever stolen his heart and regretted the day he ever met her. He had never felt the pain so great before she entered his life. I'm so sorry, Breeze. This is all my fault, he whispered as he closed his eyes tightly and tried to get the image of her suicide out of his brain. At no point did any of y'all run down there and try and do mouth-to-mouth CPR. 
anything. Zai, Carter began. He inched closer to Zaire. Let her go, fam. This isn't on you. Just hand her to me, Carter instructed, seeing that his protege's grief was as great as his own. Don't take her from me, man. Not yet. Just don't touch her, Zaire spoke in a low tone. She needed me. She was hopeless and she killed herself because I wasn't there. Zaire sat with Breeze for an hour before Carter could convince him that it was time for them to depart. Zaire even tried to give Breeze CPR. They all knew that it was useless, but Zaire wouldn't stop until he tried everything to bring her back. She held the key to his heart, and now that she was gone, it would be locked forever. The beautiful Breeze Diamond was dead. Fuck this book. So this whole thing was a way to level up Zaire. Harden his heart. Steal him up some. Everything she went through. This is absolute, total, and utter bullshit. How many chapters are left in this motherfucker? How? Man... Okay, so right now, there's fucking so many more chapters. God damn it. I'm not going to get, I'm, I'm, I'm teary-eyed, but it's, it's out of fucking frustration. This book is just, I don't know what these authors think they're doing. Nine one six six three three one five three seven. Wretched and Ratchet at Gmail dot com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Become a patron member of patreon.com backslash single simulcast. Buy me a coffee at uh buymeacoffee.com slash single simulcast. Um leave a review on Podchaser, um, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. If you go to Podchaser, you can leave a review for the show and the episode. I have nothing. I have literally nothing. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. <laughs>